Our very own Caleb is going to be bringing the word this morning, so I'm going to invite Caleb to come up and just pray over you before you do so. Jesus, we thank you so much for Caleb and all that you have done in his life and in the lives of these students, those that we do know and those that we don't. Father, we pray you'd continue to bless what you're doing at Essen. We pray that you would anoint Caleb's words today as he shares and give him your peace and your grace and open our hearts to receive, we pray in your name. Amen. Good morning. Uh, can I can I be up here? Maybe. Okay. I'm gonna move your Bible. Okay. How is everybody doing? You good? Man, it's good to be home. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, just how I remembered it. <laughs> it just stopped snowing. Surprisingly. Well, God, thank you so much for being with us here, and I pray that you'd speak through me, and that um, anything that isn't of you, God, would fall dead in Jesus' name, that, uh, and that what you want to be said here will be said. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've been going to Eston. It's exciting. Um, and At Eston, uh, it's been a whirlwind of an experience. Uh, I've been doing all kinds of uh, trips with the mods, too. Like, this is my first trip with the mods, but um, uh, previous years, too, uh, doing trips and having a, so much fun um, and really getting to know uh, God and um, growing in my faith uh, has been really awesome. Uh, I would not give up my time at Eston um, for anything. It's been... Some of the best years of my life, uh, getting out of this town in the middle of nowhere to another town in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Two different middle of nowheres, one straight bush and one straight flat. So I've, I've had a variety there. But uh, <laughs> um, going on trips uh, has been awesome. And... Uh, we get to go have fun with people and interact with churches and uh, lead worship. I love leading worship. Uh, first year I did Gideon's Call. That was really fun. Music program. Um, but, yeah, my first year, uh, we went to Winnipeg. And that was a really fun trip. Uh, I remember we really got close. Uh, my friend Brendan and I really hit it off. Um, he was our drummer in our band. And uh, he's really cool. But anyway, we were doing ministry in Winnipeg, and we were going to, um, we went Sanctuary House of Prayer, if any of you know that. Um, we went there, and we uh, did lots of, uh, I think we might have done, like, soup kitchen ministry, and then we also did uh, lots of evangelism, lots of evangelism. Um, and so evangelism, uh, we went to the mall one time. I remember this one time, and this is probably like, although I had a lot of fun on the trip, this is something I really regret from that trip. Um, we were in uh, the mall in Winnipeg uh, talking to people, and one of the leaders there was saying, um, was asking us if we like felt led to go talk to anybody, felt led to go pray for anybody, if anybody needed healing or um, 
if anybody needed uh, just even a kind word, right? Um, and I remember this distinct thing where uh, God gave me a picture suddenly after having like so much fun hanging out with Brendan in the mall. God and all of a sudden like gave me a picture of a man in a cast, a walking cast, walking. And I was like, all right, guys, I got a picture of a man in a walking cast. And I was like, I was really shy and nervous. And I really didn't want to, uh, I really didn't want to do it. But I knew I was supposed to, and so I told everybody. And then sure enough, like five minutes later, uh, Brendan nudges me. He's like, dude, look at that. Is that that guy? And I was like, no. <laughs> and so... <laughs> And so, sure enough, this guy's walking next to us. Uh, he's just walking past us. We're at, like, some coffee shop or something. And, like, these guys are like, come on, you got to pray for him. You, you saw, you had, a, you had a picture of this guy. You had to pray for him. And everything inside me was like, yes, you have to. Like, God was like, I told you. I gave you this. You wanted this? Here you go. And I was like, maybe tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> and then, literally, it was like I was being taunted. Like, they were just like, all of a sudden, there was like a whole bunch of people. Like, one person had a cast with crutches, and the other person was like crippled and like walking funny. And like, there was another person with a walking cast. And it was like, it was all this like callback to this one person that like I was supposed to talk to. And um, we weren't sure about it, but we actually went to the hospital. Later that day, we went to and did some ministry at the hospital. And um, there was a guy who, like, I didn't get a look at his face, but, like, he looked, like, exactly like the guy in the walking cast from the mall. And, like, it was like, here's your last chance. Are you going to do it? And I was, like, I was ready to step up to the plate, but then we were supposed to leave. And so I took that as an excuse, and I left. I heard God, and I chickened out. Because um, evangelism is a scary thing. Uh, you're jumping right into somebody's personal life situation, uh, your, their own bubble. You don't know what their life has been like. You don't know what their experiences are. They're a totally different person. Um, like me, I was really shy. Um, getting into high school, like I was, I was a pretty outgoing kid. But getting into high school, I got really shy. I don't know what it was, but... And Eston was the time where, like, that really helped me. Um, but I was really shy on this trip. And I really, like, I just, it took everything in me to go talk to somebody. Um, fear. Fear of the unknown. That's a big thing in evangelism, too. Um, rightfully so sometimes. I remember this guy on this trip actually was telling us about, you need to pray with your eyes open. And I was like, well, why? And they're like, well, this one time, and, like, this has happened multiple times, apparently, where, like, you're praying for somebody, and they start to, like, pull a knife or, like, a weapon, and, like, you, and so, like, that's rightfully freaky, that's scary, right? Going up to somebody you don't know, they might be, they might have a knife or a shiv or something, and, because, yeah, you just don't know. And maybe you're also, like, avoiding association. Like, honestly, we're supposed to evangelize the people in our life, too, right? Um, we know these people, too. People we know or groups we know. Maybe we don't know them, but we know who they're with. 
and we don't want to be associated with those people. Maybe it wrecks our image or something, or I don't know. We don't we don't want to. Yeah, we just don't want to associate with them. Um, and yeah, evangelism is hard. Um, actually, even something to encourage you though. Um, Paul apparently actually struggled with it a lot. Uh, in verse, where is it? Verse 19 in Ephesians 6, um, it says, uh, "And pray also for me, that may, my words may be given, or that words may be given to me in open, opening my mouth boldly to proclaim, proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in change, chains." that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. Apparently, I struggle with speech, too. <laughs> I'll read that again. That my words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Declaring it boldly. That's what he was praying for. He wanted people to pray for him for that. Even though he was such an eloquent writer, like we see in his letters, he's so... He's so gifted at telling people what God, like, what he has on his heart, that God's placed on his heart for these people, these churches. But then, like, these churches also, we hear that they, they thought there were two different Pauls, almost. Like, there was, like, the Paul that wrote to them, and then all of a sudden, like, like this guy rolls up, like, whatever it was, like, a month later after writing, saying he's going to come. He's, like, this, like, uh, sheepish like, just um, this sheepish guy that is so timid and, like, has trouble formulating his words. And they're expecting this big, crazy guy who can formulate his words so well. And so it's like there was, there was two different Pauls. Um, but, but it was all the same guy. Anyway, that being said, evangelism is frightening. However, we're called. <laughs> if we go to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, uh, it says, 28 verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples. That's the call. Like, these people have been spending their whole lives with Jesus up in, for about three years. They devoted everything to him, and they're following him because they love him. Like, they've, they've healed them, and they've called them. Like, they've called them to be fishers of men. They saw some, Jesus saw something in them that nobody else saw, right? But there's still more than that. There's still a call to go and make disciples. That's whole Eston College's whole shtick is go and make disciples. It's disciples who are making disciples. So... Um, yeah, so we're called. And that's to all nations, it says. To everyone. We're called to evangelize to everyone. Um, yeah, the gospel is for all people and all cultures. Everybody's made in the image of God. Every person. And so we're all called to go and minister to these people in our lives. Right? God could give you a picture at any moment in time to go praise for somebody with a walking cast. Or even just give you a gut feeling that something's not right and you have to go talk to this person. Right? Like, that's actually happened a few times in my life where, like, at the fall fair, 
right? Like, I thought I was just being nervous and I didn't want to go on a ride. Like, I was so scared. Um, I was probably like 15 or 16. But I, I really didn't want to go on this ride with my friends because I was just feeling sick. And I, But I wanted to go on it before I got there. And then all of a sudden, like, I just, I was like, well, I really have to go to the bathroom. And those words came in my mouth, but, like, I really didn't have to go to the bathroom. I was just lying, apparently, which is bad. Don't lie. <laughs> That's a different sermon, though. <laughs> but, uh, um, but all of a sudden, like, just past the guy's washroom, I saw one of my friends. And they were with a group of people that they were trying to get away from. Like, they didn't, they didn't, they were a bad influence for them, right? Um, and so they were struggling, and they didn't want, their peer pressure, they didn't want to do something. Um, and so I went up and talked to them. And then I was like, hey, do you want to go talk? Like, I haven't seen you for a while. Do you want to go and chat? And then so we went. And then, like, later that day, we see um, after these people had all done the thing that they wanted to do, like being led out of the fair by a policeman, right? And so, like, God, like, God can talk to you in different ways, in different situations, in every aspect of your life. I wasn't planning to talk about that, but I did. Um, Yeah, the gospel is for all people in all cultures. Um, This is God's calling for the church, as we see in the Great Commission. Make disciples of all nations. Um, And the gospel lives through this to this day. The Great Commission is the reason why the gospel is being spread, why there's still churches going on today. You think, like, in a time like today, there's still... There's so much, there, there's so much, always, always throughout history, there's always been so much tension against the church, right? But it's still going on. That's because of the gospel. Um, yeah, so in our class this semester, we're talking about um, ACOP. It's ACOP Church History, uh, ACOP History and Thought. That's the title of the course, and we're talking about history of ACOP. Um, We talked about Azusa Street, how Pentecostalism came. Um, But we also talked about um, uh, we also talked about uh, church planting a lot. And we talked about uh, what's called an indigenous church. And so an indigenous church is a church that um, that is of its own people in its area. And it continues to make more churches of its own people in its own area, right? With church planting, um, you can go and have a successful church plant uh, out in, like, I don't know, uh, Belize. Go to Belize. Uh, You can have a successful church plant in Belize, have a whole bunch of uh, followers of Jesus. But if you're not teaching them how to make disciples, like, your disciples need to know how to make disciples. If you're not teaching them how to make disciples, then the church isn't going to spread, right? There's not going to be more churches. Um, so the importance of that is that... Let me get my notes. Here's page two. Um, that we need to uh, engage with the culture. Or the culture needs to be uh, within the church, right? You get what I'm saying? Does it make sense? 
like in that area, the people there aren't going to accept the gospel if it's um, completely and totally different and we're telling them to do things a certain way, right? That makes sense. Nobody wants to be told uh, specifically um, something that doesn't matter, but like also like nobody wants to be told what to do with that. I'll get to that later. That was that was not a very great way of saying it. But, um, one thing I've heard said uh, is the gospel has a supernatural versatility to address the particular hopes, fears, and idols of every culture and every person. Right? That's Tim Keller for anybody who wants to know. Um, the gospel can go through culture. That's so awesome. That the gospel, like, it doesn't matter what culture, like the Catholic Church in the Philippines, even though the Catholic Church in the Philippines is so different from the Roman Catholic Church, they're still both like brothers and sisters in Christ. They still both believe the same gospel, that Jesus died and rose again for our sins, right? Um, In Galatians 3.28, Paul comments on this, and he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, nor is there male nor female. Um, Nor nor is there slave or free, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. In this context is the Judaizers. uh, They're enforcing the old covenant laws, basically. So, like, what the Jews had to follow back before Christ came um, was, like, one big thing was circumcision. They had to be circumcised. And so the Judaizers... Judaizers were trying to get every, all the Gentiles, the people who aren't Jews, circumcised. Um, but Paul remarks, um, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Um, what matters is faith expressing itself through love. Right? And so I think that's kind of the key, is love. Um, yeah, our primary commandment is love, as Jesus says, right? And that's, um, this is the, gir- the first and greatest commandment, which is, I should read that part, you shall love your God uh, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Of these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So everything that the Jews were doing, like all the legalism in the Jewish culture, that was all, um, everything was supposed to be done uh, through love. If everything, yeah. If the things that the Jews were doing weren't out of love, then it meant nothing. That's, um, and even then again, like in 1 Corinthians, talking about uh, like spiritual gifts, right? Spiritual gifts also mean nothing without love, right? It's just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal in 1 Corinthians 13. So love matters. So coming back to indigenous churches, they last because they're in tune with the culture, right? And so, we should almost, to love, we should almost engage with the culture. We don't adopt it. Like, we don't, like, um, take things for our own. But we need to understand it. We need to understand the culture 
of that. You need to understand the culture of those people um, for missions, right? Because we're called out to all nations. Um, I almost look at it as uh, understanding culture is like the key, the key to the door, the key to getting in with a group of people. Because um, people relate through culture, right? Like, it's really hard to walk up to a group of people who are talking about, like, hockey, right? Like, uh, I don't know what game was on. What game was on last night? Whatever. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> um, yeah, Toronto versus Ottawa, right? I think that's what it was. If, you're t if people are talking about Toronto versus Ottawa, you can't go and talk about, like, um, football. I'm not a football fan. <laughs> you can't go talk about uh, the Rough Riders versus um, the Stampeders game in that context without like knowing that they also care about that. There needs to be you need to be talking about their own culture, right? You need to engage with their own culture. Um, so yeah, culture is the key to getting in with a group of people. So this makes me think of this something that really funny that. Uh, but also true that my wife um, said at a conference one time. Uh, we were all at this conference, it was a youth conference, and everybody was just like praising Jesus, right? It was awesome. There, people were getting healed, there's people being, like kids were um, being saved, it was, it was great. Um, my wife, her attention was on this one guy in the corner, and this guy, he was like, like a hefty guy, he probably like max 30 years old, right? He wasn't an old dude, but he was like a large guy. And like, he was like super manly and awesome. Um, yeah, probably had a man bun under his hat that like would blow in the wind. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but he just like, he had his hands up and he was prophesying and he was like speaking in tongues and praying and declaring, like, he was just praising God, right, for everything that was happening. And then we'd see him, he would go and he'd talk with the other kids there that are, um, that are, like, at the front or whatever, he'd pray with them, right? And Jess says, man, we need more big, burly men preaching the gospel. Amen? <laughs> and, like, I laughed, but I was like, hang on. That's so true. We need so many more big, burly men. <laughs> Just like we need um, the small child talking to their Sunday school class, or we need, like, um, I don't know, a, a gamer in high school talking to his gamer buddies, right? We need, we need the gospel to be everywhere, in every culture, right? Um, culture is key to understanding. So, when we do evangelism, understanding culture is important. As well as, it's also important, um, straight up, to be a Christian, right? And I'm not saying, like, a Christian, like, Sunday goer, uh, I, um, like, this is just what I identify as. This is a Christian as, like, a little Christ. That's what Christian means, is little Christ. 
And it was actually, for a long time, it was an insult. And that's how it came about, is that it was an insult saying, oh, you little Christ, right? Like, you, you Christian. Um, because people didn't like Jesus, right? But anyway, um, we need to be a little Christ. And that means loving all people. I think about the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, right? He's a tax collector. He's a, so he's a Jew, one. So he has his culture, okay? But he's going door to door to other Jews of his own, and he's collecting taxes for the Roman government, right? So he's like, he's like a, he, he's doing his duty, but he's also kind of seen as a traitor, right? And a lot of tax collectors also took whatever percentage they wanted for themselves, right? So they'd get the required amount for Caesar to be equal with Caesar, but then they would like, oh, well, today it's like uh, 3% more, so that'll be, I don't know, whatever currency it was, but that'll be $3. I thought you said it was $1.25. Price went up today, right? Gas went up today. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> um, but Zacchaeus was a tax collector, okay? And so he was, like, viewed as, like, this, this outsider now to his own people. People didn't want to associate with him because he was a mean, cruel guy who took their money, right? Who bowed down to the people that were oppressing them in that day. Um, but Jesus saw Zacchaeus, and, like, he had dinner with him. He went to his house. He went to the tax collector's house, right? Jesus openly did that. And in that openly doing that and just loving him and accepting him, Zacchaeus is like, I'm giving everything. Like, like I'm, I'm going to be fair, I'm going to be equal, and I'm going to love my people. Right? That's how Jesus got to Zacchaeus. So love's the key. In all aspects of life, we're in a culture. And I know you're wondering, like, you're thinking culture, and you think of, like, um, going to, like, Asia or Africa or South America, right? They have different cultures there. We have a different culture in Canada, right? Right? <laughs> Maple syrup and hockey sticks. <laughs> Moose. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... We're always in a culture. There's always people of different cultures in our day-to-day -day life. There's cultures within a culture, I mean, especially in Canada, right? Like, we're a mosaic, they call it. There's so many different cultures even. Like, there's going to be, like, in really soon, there's probably going to be more um, people in Canada uh, who speak a first language other than English or French. The majority is going there, Okay. So there's, there's a mix of people here. And so, yeah, we have that benefit. We're on, we're on the edge where we can, we can do cultural, like, national missions here. But there's also different groups within our own nation, right? Like, high school's a great example of this. You got the jocks, right? They're all about sports, and they're all rowdy. And then you got the, um, you got the, the nerds who are all, like, into tech, and they're all... Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. And they, they love gaming and they love coding. And then you got the geeks who are slightly different than the nerds who also like, <laughs> they're, they're like into Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and then you got like the people outside the high school who are like just having a good time. Like, I don't know, like it's a bad habit, but just like smoking cigarettes together and just like, um, they're just engaging to, with together and just, they're like, yeah, man, school sucks, right? They're, they're all in that together. Um, so Canada has a lot of cultures, and high school's a good example. Um, but So seeing these cultures and that we're missionaries, like everyone here is a missionary, just like how everyone here is a leader. Though there's different range of leadership, you're always a leader. You're always an influencer in your life. There's always somebody looking up to you right? Even if it's just for a split moment. Living life, you'll see somebody look up to you. Or maybe you don't see, and other people see it in you, and you can ask them. But same, similar to that, you're also a missionary. So you're missionaries to your whole lives. Um, yeah. And I think it's really cool that God saves sinners. Because sinners are, um, before, they, before they come to the church, they're hurting and broken, but they have their own culture that they're in already from like, experiencing life in general. But then being, like, being crucified with Christ and giving your life for Jesus, yeah, you're still like, broken and you're still being continually sanctified. Um, but you're already also still sanctified and loved by Jesus. And so you already have this um, cultural insight, right? You already have a lock-picking kit. Like, you don't even need it. Um, you're already in the door. So you're in the door to preach the gospel, right? And I know, like, need to tread lightly here because, like, there's a lot of like, a lot of people come from broken situations when they're saved, right? Like, there's a lot of hurt, or maybe they're in some rough stuff, or maybe life just sucks, right? Um, and yeah, maybe you need to, uh, you need to stay away from your cult, like, that culture that you've been in for a long time, and you give it up for God, right? That's part of it. Um, but there's still value in it. I think this is hard. One of the things that hurt me the most growing up, like I love the church. I grew up in the church. I grew up here, like right right there. <laughs> Waving flags around and dancing. And it was a good time. And I love Jesus, and I love that he's in my life. But one of the things that hurt me the most was when a fellow believer told me that I needed to get rid of my friends. That I need to get rid of somebody in my life. And I was like, man, is that it? Do I actually need to get rid of them in my life? Hmm. And then I was like, 
Not really. Yeah, there's value in drawing away from people that cause you to stumble. Being a new Christian is hard. There's a lot of obstacles you have to overcome. And you need to grow and mature. You need milk, not solid food, right? That's, yeah. Um, You need to grow. Taking that time away is valuable. But once you've matured in your faith, you're like a you're like a loaded gun, right? You're ready to preach the gospel to those people. You already have the in with that culture, with that group, with that with your friends who are in some rough stuff. Or maybe um, yeah. Maybe people from your old life, right? But those people still matter, and they're still loved by God. Those people that are in your old lives still matter. And those people that maybe you're in your life, but maybe somebody says they're not a good influence for you. God still placed them in your life. Whether that is a good thing or a bad thing at that time, that's a different story. But God still placed that person in your life. Every person in your life has been placed there by God. So my point is, like, yeah, Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was like 30 years old, right? He spent a lot of time in the church, in the synagogue, learning. He spent a lot of time um, uh, just, just living ordinary life, right? Just being a regular Jew in Roman-controlled Israel or uh, Nazarene. Right? But he still went out when he was ready. He still went out and he, sh- he preached what God had told him to be there to do. Why he's there. Right? So our objective is to go and share the love of Jesus. Like Jesus. Okay? Um, so what's better than sharing the gospel with our own old culture? Or our own cultures around us? or cultures that we um, experience day to day that maybe we don't feel comfortable in, but maybe we can go and minister to those people. Um, Intentionally sharing how Jesus has impacted your life. I think that's the key. Because if you think about it, that's just straight up loving, right? So back to evangelism, we need to share the gospel, right? That's what we're called to do. But we also need to love people. So sharing the gospel, it can't just be a hit and run, right? Like a lot of the evangelism I did in, like on my trips, um, a lot of the time you just want to walk up to somebody and say, hey, Jesus loves you, right? And uh, do you have any pain in you? Okay, great. You're healed? Awesome. Okay, now bye. <laughs> it's not a hit and run. <laughs> we, we need to intentionally share how Jesus has impacted our lives, why we love him, how we love him. And that's verbally 
like how we talk. Like me, a lot of the time I got flack for hanging out with people that I shouldn't have been around. Um, but I just wanted to be an example of Jesus in your life. Like I just wanted to um, share with them how Jesus has impacted my life. And yeah, I say that like verbally, like there were times where I would say, hey, like, man, I love Jesus and this is why I'm doing this and I want you to love Jesus too because he loves you and he's awesome. Amen? But there's also a visual effect to it. There's verbal and then there's visual where like you're representing your whole life as like as Jesus. That's the thing. You're being Jesus to somebody. And you lead them to love Jesus. Yeah. So, how are you doing? Do you have people in your life that you love? Obviously. Everybody needs that. Do you have people in life that you associate with on a day-to-day basis? Do you have people that are maybe in a different um, group or culture? People who are in a different group or culture that, um, that maybe you can connect with. They can get to know the culture. And you can do that. I want to tell another story. I was working this summer, and um, I was just doing regular, like, concrete work. Nothing fancy. I was doing something that um, that a lot of rough people are into, though. Right? Like, there's a there's a lot of rowdy guys in construction and trades, and I don't know. A lot of guys are hurting. They don't want to show it, but they're hurting. Um, and like, yeah, there's people like cussing away, like, what the heck, why'd this go wrong? Why am I out like half a centimeter or whatever? But there's people hurting. And so this summer, um, anyway, I was just in construction. I was in doing concrete. And then I had a really cool boss. He's a weird guy, but he's cool. Um, All of a sudden, like, because he's in tune with that culture, because he knows, like, these guys who, like, drink and they like to party and they like to, like, just, I don't know, they swear a lot and, I don't know, whatever that culture may be, right? A bunch of hicks doing concrete work. But because he is so in tune with the culture, this one time, we were driving back with this one guy, and he wasn't a Christian. But all of a sudden, like, we're talking about doing work, and then somehow he's able to shift from being all about, like, this whole culture that he's in to, well, Jesus. This is why. And he's just, like... He's just bullet point sharing the gospel with this guy, right? And how it's affected his life, how he's loved this person. 
And I was just, like, taken aback. I was like, man, like, I've been wanting to do this, but seeing that, how being associated with a culture can actually change somebody's life in that culture, that's awesome. So, yeah. The gospel's a lockpicking kit. It pervades culture and seeps into it. And so preaching the gospel, if we do it well, loving people and loving um, everything about them, not condoning what they're doing maybe, maybe they're doing something not great, but if we love them, then we got the inning to, to do what God has called us to do, which is be disciples and disciple all nations. So it's simply loving. And although it's probably one of the hardest things in life to simply love, I think it's something that, like, God is really teaching us, right? God's continually, like, removing all of the dead branches in our lives. He's continually thinning us out to the person that we're, we're meant to be. And so, all we need to do is simply remember that we're being sanctified continually and just love people. And desire to share how God has changed your life. Desire to share the love that's in you for that person or the even greater love that God has for that person. How great it is. Yeah. Um, I read the first part of Matthew twenty-eight nineteen which is, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe that all I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the earth. God's with you, loving others. So don't worry. Don't be fearful. Don't be shy. Because God's working through you, and he's with you. And he loves you.